This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcasting every Tuesday morning, 8 to 9, Pacific Time on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his new book, Family of Secrets, the Bush Dynasty, the powerful forces that put it in the White House, and what their influence means for America, our guest today, Russ Baker, goes deep behind the scenes to deliver a new look at George W. Bush, his father, their family, and the network of figures in intelligence, the military, finance, and oil who enabled the family's rise to power. Baker has written for The New Yorker, Vanity Fair, The New York Times, The Nation, Los Angeles Times, the Washington Post and Esquire, and served as a Columbia Journalism Review contributing editor. In 2005, he founded The Real News Project, a nonprofit investigative news organization. Russ Baker, welcome to Weekly Signals. Thank you very much. Good to be here. How are you doing today? Is everything fine? Very well, very right. well. Good. We're reaching you in New York? Yes, sir. All Blue right. skies, nice crisp day. All Beautiful. right. Beautiful. That's good to hear. How long have you been writing about the uh, the Bush family? When did this all begin for you? Well, I began the research uh, that resulted in Family of Secrets in 2004, so it's been about five years. Of course, I was looking at them as a journalist uh, for many years prior to that. All right. Now, let's start at the beginning of this saga. How did the Bush family uh, get the power that it has today? What, where would that begin? Sure, and if I might just preface that by saying that, you know, some people may be saying, well, you know, why are we talking about the Bushes? Who cares about them anymore? They're out of power. But uh, really, I think what Family of Secrets shows is that they're never out of power, that they are part of a larger apparatus that's very much present today. And by the way, I might just refer your listeners to today's New York Times, which has an article about Robert Gates, uh, who was... uh, uh, the CIA director under George H.W. Bush. Uh, he was the defense secretary under George W. Bush. He's still the defense secretary under uh, Barack Obama. And the article talks about how he's focusing mostly on trying to uh, increase his influence within the Obama administration. So really, these things never change. And we need to examine and we need to understand uh, our past history much better than we do in order to be able to understand the present and be able to uh, move into the future with some kind of intelligence. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, are, are we talking then the beginning of, at about Prescott Bush? I mean, is, and his fortune is that how this thing gets rolling? No, you, the Bushes. Uh, the, the way I, I, I think the, the way the story unfolds in Family of Secrets is that the Bushes are basically uh, they have been involved in uh, covert intelligence work under cover of other things. The father, under the cover of being an oil man, being a congressman, and so on deeply involved in a in a in a in an, uh, sort of a spy a domestic spy apparatus of which we understand very very little and that this goes way way back this goes back to the grandfather this goes back to the great grandfather essentially i mean all civilizations have had a spy apparatus we've had one since the the, the beginnings of this country and um 
certain uh, wealthy families and interests have always taken an interest in uh, being able to know what's going on and being able to, you know, uh, subtly and covertly influence uh, decision-making and power. And that's really what we're looking at. So this goes way, way back. The Bushes themselves, even the uh, two great-grandfathers had connections to military contracting, intelligence, uh, diplomacy. Uh, one of them uh, worked for, actually, at the same time, two different uh, feuding branches of the Rockefeller family back at the turn of the uh, 20th century. Now, is, is, that, is that a uh, motif for the Bush family, uh, uh, working for two different sides and wait to see who remains standing? Well, I mean, it's very complicated. I cannot say that I entirely understand what was going on in that particular instance. But, uh -huh. yes, I mean, they very much, uh, for many, many years, they were uh, identified with the Rockefellers, and then, uh, uh, as we see in Family of Secrets, at, at some point they shift and they move over uh, into the Barry Goldwater camp. And uh, by the time that Richard Nixon uh, is in office, uh, they, they basically turn against him. So uh, very close with him and then, and then shift sides again. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're looking at some agenda. Uh, that is uh, uh, that is not strictly uh, a partisan one. There's something deeper going on. Now, it's uh, we don't normally associate the the Bush family with being incredibly wealthy. It seems to me that their their uh, their juice comes from being powerful as opposed to wealthy. I know they. I mean, they're not hurting for money. I don't know what the uh, the financial. Um, empire looks like for the for the bushes but it does seem like they are either they are purveyors of power or they're facilitators of power Would that, that, be that that's the word, Mark. They're facilitators. You see, that we we tend to because of the way that 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 journalism works and the way that our uh, our appetites work, we like to see people as as in sort of it's sort of the rock star phenomenon of history that we like to see everybody as as lone actors, you know, a, a personality and a character and doing their thing while they're on stage and then and then leaving the stage. But in fact, the people that we're familiar with are very rarely either the wealthiest or the most powerful people. They are facilitators. They are people who, who have uh, you know, the, the charisma, the dynamism, the connections to get into positions uh, where they're officially executing, uh, 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 you know, uh, a policy, but in fact, they cannot do any of that stuff without the, the, the concurrence of much more powerful people, often people we've never even heard of. All right. Right. It, it 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 seems in that by the way that's that idea of the rock star that's much more of an an American narrative is that these these great leaders are men of this tremendous will and determination and they forge this thing on their own when in fact it's the people in the background it's the Bush families it's the kind of people that make those people um, uh, viable. Right. Well, let, let's remember that the Bushes, for example. Uh, held either the presidency or the vice presidency for 20 of the last 28 years. Yeah. Now they are, quote-unquote, out of power. And there's Bob Gates, who not only worked uh, for them when they were in power, but he worked for them when they were out of power. He was the uh, he ran a Texas A&M University, and and before that the uh, uh, the Bush Library there, where they, you know there was a, been a major effort to prevent anything uh, 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 in terms of crucial documents from coming out about the past of George H. W. Bush, and in fact, Family of Secrets. Uh, uh, more than half of the book is about the secret life 
of the elder Bush, stuff that has never come out before. And there was Bob Gates involved in, in basically making it difficult for people like me to try to figure this, these sorts of things out. Yeah. We're speaking with Russ Baker. The book is Family of Secrets. And uh, a little bit ago you mentioned Richard Nixon. What was the Bush family's relationship with, uh, with Nixon? Okay. Uh, th- this is complicated, and then I need to, to, to properly set that up. I need to step back and okay. say that basically what happened was uh, uh, I, the way I even got on this book was I just sort of, I'd been living in Europe training investigative journalists in the former Yugoslavia, and when, when the uh, uh, Iraq invasion took place, they said to me, well, you know, you're teaching us to, uh, to hold our government accountable, but what's, what's going on in your country? How much do you know about this run-up to the war and the reasons and so on? And I realized that I really had a role to play in trying to dig deeper, went back to the States in 2004, uh, and began generally trying to understand George W. Bush, what made him tick. And this led me to realize that we understood very, very little about, we had already begun to accept that even people who liked him, that this was a very improbable person to be President of the United States, to be the most powerful person in the world. And it occurred to me that it was uh, crucial to try to understand more about how and why he had come to power. Who wanted this most improbable of individuals at the top. And so this led me to spend these five years. The first two or three years, I really didn't find a lot. And suddenly what, what occurred to me was that this, this so-called rift, the, the, the characterization of the son uh, as, as if having fallen quite far from the family tree was not true at all. And that, in fact, the father and the son were very closely aligned in general, albeit having different personalities. That, in turn, led me to look more at, since the, the son would never have become president if the father had not, I began to look more at the father, and I realized he also was an improbable president. And in looking at him, I discovered that he had a whole secret life, and this took me back to documents. Uh, Family of Secrets has more than a 1,000 footnotes and many, many documents people will have never heard of before that establish, I think, rather conclusively that the elder Bush from the time that he was a flyer in World War II, was basically involved with the intelligence services. And that, in fact, his his becoming CIA director in 1976 uh, was not that he was, he was described as a so-called intelligence virgin, but in fact he was nothing of the sort. He was brought in at a crucial moment when uh, uh, the Senate under Frank Church was looking very hard at improprieties and illegalities by the CIA. He was brought in because, in fact, he'd had a secret history in intelligence uh, for, for decades preceding that. So that's, that's the background of the book. And then I discover all these really hair-raising things I, that forced me to completely re-examine my understanding of things like the Kennedy assassination and Watergate, and I'm happy to talk about either if we have time. Yeah, yeah well... Uh, just, uh, just real quick, because this is such an important point. Uh, it, it seems that George W., I'm um, George uh, Herbert Walker Bush, Bush 41, as he's referred to, uh, is a fixer. Is, I mean, if, in sort of mafia parlance, he's a guy that will come in. He's been, he is, and also I've heard him described as the man who left no footprints wherever he went, whatever job he was in. Now, I don't know if that's a fair characterization or something you would agree with, but it does seem like George is the guy that, the, in the powerful, uh, powerful people of this uh, country and of this world in some ways, uh, is a guy that will come in and kind of clean up, take care of things. Well, that's right. That's right. But you, you see, that's that's the larger story of our history. Is that uh, the real things that go on leave no footprints, and 
I have to say, as a, as a journalist, and I think a relatively sort of mainstream one, albeit with an independent streak, uh, you know, I'd never really looked at most of these things. I'd always assumed and taken for granted that the, the Kennedy assassination was a complicated story, and, you know, perhaps Lee Harvey Oswald did it alone. I just didn't know. I hadn't really invested the resources to try to figure out what I thought about that. Same thing with Watergate. I just assumed it was this conventional narrative of uh, power-hungry Richard Nixon out of control. And as I started looking at these things, I started seeing that there were hidden hands behind all these things. And this is where the Bushes come in. Not only was Bush Sr., as you say, uh, somebody who, who, who really was a fixer behind the scenes, but very interestingly, even his son, even as much as a, of, uh, of a sort of a bumbler as he seems to be, a family of secrets documents all these companies that George W. Bush was involved with that were never reported before, yeah. uh, companies that uh, uh, never made any money and that had all of these uh, uh, what appear to be covert machinations going on with, with uh, funds coming in from offshore accounts and uh, funny money from Saudis and people tied to the South African apartheid regime and yeah. Ferdinand Marcos and so on. I mean, both of these fellows are actually poorly understood to the present day. Now, uh, let's get into the Kennedy assassination then, because that's that's one that uh, <laughs> that's stuck with us for years and years, and and never is, seems to be uh, going in a direction of being resolved. Uh, and and yet, you, you ran across a curious quote of George W. Bush. Can you talk about that, or sure. George H. W. Sure. Uh, what really got me interested in, in, in him in relation to, to the Kennedy scenario was that he had uh, stated publicly when asked that he did not recall where he was on November 22, 1963, the day that John F. Kennedy was shot. Now, that's, that, first of all, there really is almost nobody, uh, unless they were in a coma, who can claim that. Uh, uh, you know, anybody over the age of five years old uh, remembers where they were. Also, this is very, very strange because Kennedy was killed in Texas. George H.W. Bush was a Texan, was in Texas, uh, was, a, was a, about 40 years old. And moreover, he was actually running for the United States Senate, criticizing Kennedy and traveling around Texas right at that time. And so what I do is I begin trying to say, well, what's that about? This is a man we know claimed to be out of the loop on Iran-Contra, but clearly was, was, was a key figure. And, and, and running that whole operation. And so I wonder what that was about. And, and, and in Family of Secrets, I have four chapters with new information on the Kennedy assassination, all documented. Uh, uh, just very quickly, a couple of things. Number one, uh, the day after the assassination, according to uh, 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 various documents. Uh, the FBI provided a briefing on a couple of issues to two intelligence officers, one from the Defense Intelligence Agency, the other from the CIA. The CIA guy, according to the document, George Bush of the CIA. That's one thing. So that suggests that he was actually working in intelligence at the time of the assassination when he can't remember where he was. The other document uh, is one actually from the day of the assassination, and this has him identified by name with his home address. And now he's an oil man, and he's calling the same agency, the FBI, but he's calling a local office in Houston to a man who I identify in the book, actually as a friend of his, but appearing to not know the man. And he's calling to say, hey, I've got a tip. I may know who killed the president. And I go into how this 
this uh, call appears to be a very elaborate effort, basically to both show him to being trying to be cooperative, and number two, to show that at the time of the phone call, he is not in Dallas, Texas. The third thing I have in the book is I go into a man who is very little known, but who actually was essentially the, the father figure in the life of Lee Harvey Oswald in the year prior to the assassination, and I reveal that that man was in fact a long time for decades friend uh, of the elder bush wow (laughs) yeah i mean there there are so i think you're speechless uh, that is i mean it's one of those stories that uh i mean as somebody who's been interested in the kennedy assassination since uh i heard about it in 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 fifth grade (laughs) in mrs harris's class when uh when it was announced to all of us uh, that this is uh, this is a story that is a that provides us with context. It is a sort of a, a nexus of so many uh, uh, stories that evolve after that. The war in Vietnam, uh, all kinds of things have rolled out of the the assassination, uh, the death of of John Kennedy, and continues to uh, to ripple to this day. So it. it now, yes, Santa, how did uh, let's let's move on to Watergate. I, in, unless yeah. there's something, some other, <laughs> some other amazing fact that you have about about Bush, because I, I I know on one hand you're not saying he's directly responsible for it. I mean, I, I doubt if he's on the grassy knoll, but the, it, there seems to be a suggestion that he's involved in a network that knew more about it than uh, they've ever let on and might have. Uh, uh, been responsible for some of the operation. Well, let me say this. Uh, there are so many facts in those four chapters on the Kennedy assassination. I'm talking about just facts that I have presented friends of mine who are uh, r- very solid reporters with some of the most mainstream news organizations, and I said, look at all these facts and tell me if I'm crazy or if it seems, based on the laws of probability, almost impossible that these are all just a whole bunch of coincidences. I mean, why is he calling? And by the way, I mean, those things go deeper. When he calls to offer the tip about a man who had been talking about killing the president, I discovered at the same time he's calling about the man and saying he doesn't know much about him, but he knows his name, and the rest of it is all hearsay. At that very moment, Mr. Bush's own assistant is at the man's house and ends up basically driving him to the offices of the Secret Service and helping basically clear the guy. Now, why would you be calling the FBI to report a man as a possible threat to the president's life and have your assistant clearing the guy at the same time? I mean, that is just too strange. Yes, yes. So anyway, you asked about Watergate. Yes. Basically... <laughs> Uh, the same thing happened. I kept discovering uh, uh, the elder Bush in odd situations. Essentially, I wondered why did a fellow who who was a, really a neophyte in politics get promoted so consistently by Richard Nixon? And what I discovered, and this is the first of uh, three chapters on the Bush's relationship with Nixon, I discovered that that Richard Nixon owed a secret debt to the Bush family. And again, this has never been reported before. Family of Secrets that that. All the way back in the 1940s, when Richard Nixon was drafted to get into politics, uh, uh, the, the, among the key people behind that was Prescott Bush, the grandfather of George W. Bush. And the, the story there, which we don't have time to go into, is basically that uh, uh, the, the man that they ran Nixon against, Jerry Voorhees, a congressman from California, uh, was uh, a leading advocate in the House of Representatives of 
stronger regulation of Wall Street and of banking practices. Now, this is, a, a, I would think, a, a story that ought to resonate today. There were the Bushes back then, uh, uh, barely a dozen years out of the Depression, trying to knock out the guy who wanted to have some kind of accountability for all of these financial products. Hmm. So, so basically, they, they run Nixon for Congress. He gets elected, and they consistently sponsor his very rapid rise. He also rises incredibly rapidly. Within a few years, he's vice president of the United States. Uh, and then, uh, as I discover, uh, what Watergate is, is eventually when Nixon becomes president, he decides he doesn't need to do what these people are telling him anymore, and he starts doing his own thing, some of which actually qualify as, as, as relatively reform-minded. And he starts angering these people, and he angers the Bush family, and he angers independent oil men, and he angers the military, and he angers the intelligence apparatus. And basically, they turn on them. And there is George H.W. Bush right on the scene again. Uh, as the, uh, he's the, direct, he's the uh, chairman of the uh, Republican National Committee, and yet there are no fingerprints. He's not mentioned in any books about Watergate. And I basically map out what appears to me from my reporting to have been essentially a coup d'etat against Richard Nixon by what you might call more conservative elements. And, and also there's one other player in all this that kind of ties together the Kennedy assassination and, and uh, Watergate, and that's Gerald Ford. That's right. Well, Gerald Ford was on the Warren Commission, and he played a crucial role in uh, a rewriting one sentence of the report to, that, that had the effect of solidifying the sense that there was a, uh, a lone assassin. Yeah. Uh, he then, of course, uh, gets put into position uh, to be Nixon's vice president, and then when they force Nixon out, there's Gerald Ford, who's president, and what does he do? He promotes two guys by the names of Rumsfeld and Cheney, who then ha- push this palace coup, and they bring in a guy to be director of the CIA by the name of George H.W. Bush. And there we go on a ride right up to the president. Well, and then, let's just jump uh, a few years later, uh, as vice president under Ronald Reagan, uh, George uh, Herbert Walker Bush's fingerprints are, are all over Iran-Contra, even though the mainstream press stayed away from his involvement, but his fingerprints are all over the Iran-Contra. That- that's right, Mike. I mean, basically what you're looking at is you're looking at a continuity of history. You're looking at things, the big story that we never get. And you do not have to be somebody inclined toward conspiracy theories to right. be interested in reading facts. That's what Family of Secrets is all about. We have a website, by the way, yeah. familyofsecrets.com, where people can go to read updates about coverage and so forth. We also have a nonprofit organization. It's uh, whowhatwhy.com, whowhatwhy.com. And this is our effort to kind of do this kind of work on an ongoing basis, but I have to say we cannot do it without the support of the public. We do not have any sort of corporate backing or anything of that sort. We don't take ads. We're not partisan. So we are looking to people like your listeners to support us so that we can continue to uncover the real history of this country, to understand why it is, for example, that all of us are in such a a disastrous state relative to the economy. There are other stories there. These stories never seem to come out. You're right. Uh, No, so uh, then they can get to uh, helping out with this research of yours um, at whowhatwhy.com and familyofsecrets.com? Uh, that's right. And fam- fam- uh, whowhatwhy.com, especially for ongoing and future research. Okay. Um, and, we're, you know, as I say, we're looking for people to help us uh, e- either in small amounts financially, give us tips, uh, get involved as volunteers, and then 
familyofsecrets.com is more information about the book, which is in bookstores everywhere. should be right there in, in your community, I would think, and oh. also, of course, on Amazon. Russ yeah. Baker, uh, what kind of reaction are you getting? Um, I see at the back of the book, I'm just going to, Roger Morris, who who was a Nixon-era, um, um, uh, he worked in the uh, Nixon administration. and right, has National since, Security Council. National Security, and has since become uh, a, a, a very... Uh, uh, transient critic of the uh, of of American foreign policy and Bill Moyers both have high praise for this book. But I want to ask you, in terms of acceptance, uh, ability to get uh, this out uh, in the mainstream press, how successful do you think you've been? Well, really, the, the book is doing well, but it's doing well almost entirely by a sort of a uh, grassroots effort of just ordinary people who, you know, the Internet has changed things. We got, a, we got a hit job on us by the L.A. Times. One person at the L.A. Times wrote a really vicious thing that just said, anybody who thinks Lee Harvey Oswald didn't do it alone is crazy, and that was the thrust of his whole review. That review got picked up on the wire services, and it spread all over the country. To this day, if you go and you Google this thing, it comes up right up near the top, uh, that I'm crazy and none of this other none of the facts matter but we have had very nice comments from really intelligent thinkers like Gore Vidal those sorts of people as I say Roger Morris uh, and but basically it's it's ordinary people going on the web emailing their friends going on uh, uh, you know bulletin boards talking about the book that really is what what is getting this thing going it's it's, it's kind of like the people versus the establishment well, increasingly, we're seeing more and more of that. Where the the uh, the mainstream press, the uh, the talking heads, are yelling at us to think one way, and the polls keep coming back a completely different way on on single payer, on uh, on a whole slew of of issues that uh, we're being told uh, to think otherwise. And and this is another example of that. I just want to, and the L.A. Times, I'm still upset with the L.A. Times for their horrific coverage of the uh, the uh, drug connection with uh, during the. Um, um, the 80s. Um, I'm trying to say, Gary, oh, what's Gary the, Webb? Gary Webb. Yeah. Gary, Gary Webb's, they really trashed him and his reporting in so many ways. And also the story that they did on Bush, uh, George, uh, George W. Bush, uh, not only on the coverage of his time in uh, the Air National Guard, but also on his connections with Saudis and his business interests uh, during the height of the uh, 2000 election. They did a horrible horrible misleading uh report on and all of that so i'm not surprised the times uh has not been uh, fair to you they have not they have not been fair to me on this particular review although i have to say that uh the second half of the book which is mostly about george w bush i think i provide the most definitive case ever that he uh, went a wall from the military i go much further basically if you might say sort of in a sense clearing the essence of the controversial cbs news report uh that they were set up uh, and and the L.A. Times did a couple of good pieces, so they do good work on certain things. Where these papers have a problem is that they cannot ever take on the big picture because it's it's too daunting, it's too disturbing, and and you know essentially they are you know cogs in the in the machine doing individuals doing as good work as possible, mm-hmm. but it's very very tough for them to to tackle yeah. stuff of this magnitude. All right, well, Russ Baker, it's a it's a pleasure talking to you again. It's been some time since we've It's we unsettling spoke. talking yeah, to it's, you, it's, too. It's, it's unsettling as well, but this is a terrific book, uh, Family of Secrets, uh, The Bush Dynasty, The Powerful Forces That Put Him in the White House, and What Their Influence Means for America. Thank you so much for being here on Weekly Signals. Thank you very much, gentlemen. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, 
visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And this is Weekly Signals.